0: Well, I pray that you would bless Tara, God, in a wonderful, amazing way, God. And Lord, I pray that no selfish ambition, God, and nothing from Tara's heart, God, would be spoken if it's spoken from an evil place, God. But I pray that tonight she only lets us know in your heart, God, and that she would be your vessel, and that your spirit would move in an abundant way tonight, God, in a great Great way, God, that you would speak through Tara, God. Lord, I pray that it would be crystal clear to all of our hearts, God, just what you want to say tonight. Pray all this stuff in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen." Don't give up, Tara. How's tonight? That was pretty pathetic. I'm personally about to pass out and throw up, but whatever. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you guys tonight, and uh, I love hanging with you guys on Monday nights and. You drive me crazy sometimes, but man, I love you. And uh, some of you I've known a long time, and and some of you uh, I haven't known. But here's what I know, is you're not here by accident tonight. And I'm not here by accident tonight. Because there's a God who's real. And he loves you. And he loves me. And he wants to talk to you tonight, and it's not even about me. My prayer is that you would hear the voice of God tonight, that you wouldn't hear my voice. We've been talking about prepare him room and this idea of getting ready for Christmas and this idea of a king who would be coming. King Jesus. And uh, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about... Well, I don't know because I was dealing with the situation. I wasn't in here. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? Help me out. Haley Anyone? Haley, talk. What did she talk about? I don't, I, don't I don't remember. Okay, that's the question I should have asked. So... We talked about, anyone? Carla, you remember? Eager expectation. expectation. thank you, Bailey. Eager expectation, right? Expecting that God is who he says he is and his word is true. And so tonight, I want to talk about worship. Everyone say worship. Worship. Yeah. Here's the reality. You and I tonight fit in one of two categories. Either our, wor- either our worship is worthy or our worship is whack. Either our worship is worthy Or our worship is whack. Or another way to say that is our worship is wasted. Either worship worthy or worship that's wasted. Some of the very first people to see baby Jesus when he was born, you guys know the Christmas story, were the magi who were also known as the wise men, who were also known as the kings. They brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When I was a kid, I thought they brought Frankenstein, and I was so confused. <laughs> but they brought frankincense and myrrh. Gold was like, you know, like money, right? Who doesn't like getting money? And, and incense, frankincense was like an incense that they would, uh, they would uh, use during times of prayer. And, and myrrh was a, a sweet perfume that was expensive. And the very first thing they did when they saw baby Jesus was, Take you're on Snapchat, right? No. Yeah. The very first thing they did was, oh, that is one ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie. Y'all know, you, you've said that before about some newborn baby. The first thing they did, <laughs> I should have straightened my notes on that one. The first thing they did when they saw baby Jesus was what? Starts with a W, what? ends what? with a the D. What? They worshipped. They worshipped. So here's my question. If the wise men who were royalty, they were kings themselves, responded in worship when Christ was just a baby, then what does that say to us today? It would take them two years to arrive to see Jesus. Did you know that? The star appeared in the sky. The wise men began to follow it because they knew that Jesus had finally come. It was a prophecy fulfilled. But did you know it took them two years to get to see baby Jesus? I was just on a road trip that was 20 hours one way. Look, two years, I would have quit. I don't care who's on the other side of that. Two years. Here's the point. You and I aren't going to figure out who Jesus is in one week. Right? We're not going to figure out who Jesus is and understand who he is in one year. One of my favorite Bible verses is John 21:25. It says that there were many other things that Jesus did. And as a matter of fact, if every single one of them were to be written down, the world would not contain enough room for the books that could be written. How many books do you think we could fill in this room? A lot a ton, right? A whole lot. The library downtown has how many books? A lot. A lot, right? Jesus did so many things that not every single thing written down, and if it had been, the world itself would not contain enough room to tell of it. So what's the point of this for you and I today? Our worship is either worthy or whack. Everyone worships someone or something. If you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping someone or something else. And many of us worship ourselves. We're our own little G-Gods. And for a lot of us, worship is a struggle. Every Monday night during worship here, there's chaos. Man, it's obnoxious. We've got to walk aisles. we got to tell y'all to quit talking, quit being a disruption, quit, quit laughing. I mean, tonight y'all did pretty good, but y'all remember two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Worship is a struggle, but why is worship a struggle? If we really love Jesus like we say we do and we really love House of Faith and we come here because we want to know and understand then why is it such a struggle? It's a struggle because you cannot worship who you do not know. You cannot worship who you do not know. Trying to worship Jesus without knowing and understanding who he is is a lot like this pinata up here. My T-Rex arms. I'm going to be honest. I've had one pinata in my life and it didn't go well, so I'm pretty nervous about this part. Uh, Okay, here's the point. Trying to worship Jesus without knowing who he is is a lot like this pinata up here. Everyone loves a pinata, right? We have not them at birthday parties. Hey, this was not a part of the agreement. Everyone loves a pinata, right? Alright. I can't multitask so I'm just gonna hit it. Then don't keep talking. Mike, you're I do not I'll hold the mic I'm being a pump. Everyone loves a pinata I'll just yell at this part Everyone Yeah, I don't want to hit you <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves a pinata You guys have them at birthday parties, right? Yeah. And-, and why do you love pinatas? Because what's inside? Candy, right? Oh, yeah oh, Okay, sit oh, 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 it. okay, It's not candy What is that? Listen, everyone say, shh, oh, yes. you got a point! <laughs> Thanks for throwing the junket vegetables up here. Appreciate that. <laughs> here's the point everyone loves a pinata because there's candy inside. Yep. Right? And no one was expecting for me to bust that open in the time of frozen vegetables fall. But here's the thing. We hit away at this thing most of the time blindfolded and having been spun around. If we would have done that, I would have never hit it, okay? And the end result is something good. It's candy, right? Like everyone loves candy. Oh, snap, let me have some candy. But the same is true of us with worship. Trying to worship Jesus. Y'all don't miss this. What I'm saying is way too important for you and me. Trying to worship Jesus without understanding who he is is as foolish as hitting a pinata and expecting vegetables to fall out. You cannot worship who you do not know. Your worship is whack because your expectation is whack, because your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is is whack, and it's not because at House of Faith we don't tell you who Jesus is. We do a lot of that. But you choose to know what you want to know. And for most of you, myself included, we worship ourselves. We're real good at it, aren't we? Let me tell you about myself. Look at my swag. Look at my flag. Look at my colors. Look at who I roll with. Look at my bad behavior that I think is so cool. I've had these conversations with y'all. And you can tell me all about you and yourself and your world and your little kingdom. And you've been coming to House of Faith for seven, eight, nine years, and you can't say a thing about who Jesus is. It's because it's whack, because you don't really care. And sometimes I don't really care. Because when we understand who Jesus really is, it changes everything about our lives. When we know the truth, we can't keep living the same way, playing dumb. Yikes. It's crap. Your worship is crap because you are not worthy to be praised or worshiped. You and I do not deserve worship. We are not God. We never have been. We never will be. And we pale in comparison to the beauty of Jesus Christ. We're jacked up. We're sinful and broken, selfish, prideful, arrogant little brats, myself included. Worship isn't counting the expense of what you have to give. Worship is measuring the worth of the one you are doing. Here's how the conversation goes. Oh, man, we have to stand. Oh, it's hot in here. Oh, man, the band sounds terrible tonight. Oh, snap, the speaker just popped. Gosh, it's hot in here. How many songs are we going to do? Why does not there more food? Can I go to the restroom? Gosh, I hate this. Oh, this is stupid. Is that not the conversation that happens during worship? Real talk? No. Anyone? Okay, we got two honest cats in here tonight. The rest of y'all are clowning. But, but that's how we approach it. When we make it about ourselves, and when we make worship about us, we sit here and say, I've had a bad day. I don't feel good. I don't want to worship. I don't like singing. I can't sing. I don't even know this song. Man, I don't understand what this song means. And it's all about me, 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 you, 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 I, 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 and not about Jesus. And that is as fun as a vegetable filled for me not fun. And that's not how it's supposed to be. But when we change it about measuring the worth of the one we are adoring, here's how the conversation goes. Man, Jesus, he is worthy and he is the one true God. And he is the son of God. And he forgives my sins and he loves me and he sees the good in me and he knows my name. And man, he he woke me up this morning and he gave me another day of life and he gave me food to eat. And the conversation begins to change. And And then we begin to really worship. Worship isn't counting what it's gonna cost you, it's measuring the worth of the one you're adoring. That's why worshiping anyone or anyone else other than Jesus Christ is crap. It's a waste. Either your worship is worthy or it's wasted. And worship is so much more than just music. Worship is anything that directs your heart, thoughts, and affections towards Jesus. We can worship God through song. You can worship God through dance, through writing, art, spoken word, poetry, athletics. Man, when y'all go out there and you play football, you can worship God through the way that you play football. You can worship God through your homework. You can even worship God through cleaning the doggone toilet. Here's how that works. Man, Jesus, my mom wants me to clean the toilet. I don't really want to clean the toilet. This thing's disgusting. But guess what? I love you, so I'm going to clean this thing like you're about to come up in here and do your thing. <laughs> I mean, that's that's real talk, but that's worship because you're doing it for an audience of one. You're doing it for Jesus. You're not cleaning the toilet because your mom keeps nagging you, although you should listen to your parents. You're doing it as an act of worship to Jesus because when you love someone, you'll do anything, right? when, when you love someone, you'll really do anything. Worship is mentioned 8,629 times in the Bible. It's a pretty big deal. I want to look at one story tonight in Luke 7. It says this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet weeping. Raining tears on his feet, Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If this man was the prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is falling all over him." Jesus said to him, "Simon, I have something to tell you." Everyone say, "Oh, snap.." Oh, snap. When Jesus talks, you all better listen. Simon says, oh, sir, do tell me. Jesus says, two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins. And so she was very, very grateful. If this forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. Then Jesus spoke to the woman. I forgive you. I forgive your sins. That set the dinner guest talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? He ignored them and said to the woman, Your fate has saved you. Go in peace. Sometimes the ones you see worshiping the most, and, and let, you, you see them. They're, like, lifting their hands. They're, like, in the zone, eyes closed. Sometimes maybe they're crying while they worship. Sometimes we sit back and we look at that, and here's what we think. Oh, man, they're, like, BFF with Jesus. That's cool. Go you. Not my thing, right? Or we say, oh, man, they've lived a perfect life. They've never jacked anything up. They're not like me. No, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Sometimes the ones that worship Jesus the most are the ones who have the most jacked up, busted up, broken lives. Because they understand the reality and the beauty of who Jesus Christ is. The lady, it was scandalous. First of all, it was scandalous for her to go into this man's home. She was a harlot. Do you know what that means? I didn't look it up before I started, but I think it means like she had slumber parties with people that she shouldn't have been having slumber parties with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What are those? Okay? And and here's the thing. Everyone knew about it. Everyone knew about her junk. And and she was the talk of the town, man. If they had a Stripes or a 7-Eleven, they'd be like, oh, Harlow, over there getting a Slurpee. Right? And, And everyone knew her business. They talked mess about her. So first of all, she had no business going into this dude's home. Second of all, it was scandalous. It was inappropriate for her to let her hair down. And it didn't say that she had a cheap bottle of perfume that she got on clearance after Christmas. It says it was a very, very expensive bottle of perfume, meaning she brought the best. The best of the best. And she cried over the feet of Jesus. And she wept and she washed his feet with her tears. The Pharisee, he was religious. He was all about keeping the rules. And he even said, man, if Jesus knew who this woman was. And Jesus said, I do. I know exactly who she is and I love her. And the woman, her response wasn't shame. It wasn't condemnation. It wasn't guilt. She didn't stand outside the Pharisee's house, peering in the window saying, gee, I wish I could hang out with Jesus. She just went right in. She, she just went right in and went straight to his feet and humbled herself at his feet. And it was pure, genuine worship. Because she understood that Jesus was greater than her sin. She understood that Jesus was greater than her past. He was greater than her reputation. And her only response was worship. But not worship that was whack. It was worship that was worthy. Pure and genuine worship. John 4.23 says this. But a time is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. That means from the heart, the inner self, and in truth. For the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. What pure, genuine, and true worship costs you is pennies compared to the value of Jesus Christ. I think tonight we need a really big reminder of who Jesus is. He came as a baby. You guys know the story. Born to Mary and Joseph. Never did one wrong thing in his life. He never cheated on his homework. Never told a lie. Never told a half truth. Never disrespected his parents. Never took nothing from the market that wasn't his. He honored his mother and his father. He listened and he obeyed. When he was a child he would be in the synagogue praying and learning and studying the scriptures. And there was one mission. He was sent from God the Father in heaven to go save the world. Because when God initially created everything in the garden, it was perfect, and it was pure, and it was beautiful. And they had perfect fellowship with the Father. And there was one rule. Don't mess with the tree in the middle. You guys know the story. Adam and Eve messed with the tree. And that's when sin entered the world. And ever since then, sin has been in our world, and it destroys lives. And it makes things worse. And so, God, in His power and in His wisdom, He could have just crumbled up the world and been like, I'm done. He could have just thrown it away or zapped us all with mega lightning bolts or something. I don't know. He could have done anything but what He did. But that's not what He did because He loved us and He loved me. And so he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. And and so Jesus was born, and he lived this perfect life. And and Jesus walked the earth, and he literally taught people. And and he said, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and turn from your wicked way, because there's a better way, because I love you, and I see you, and I know you. You can start those pictures. Um, And and the Bible says, you guys can read it in the New Testament, that Jesus went around, and he healed people. People that had been sick for years, Jesus touched and they were healed instantly. There were times that Jesus brought dead people back to life. And you know what? Jesus never turned away a kid, man. Jesus loved the kids. And even one day the disciples were like, man, the little nose pickers go on. Let them leave them alone. You know, And Jesus was like, no. Let them come to me. I love them. And he did all of that. And those same people that he helped and he blessed and he encouraged, and he gave hungry people food, and he gave thirsty people water, those same people turned their backs on Jesus. And, and Jesus went to the cross. But see, here's the thing. That's punkish of them, but that's what you and I do all the time. Right? I don't want to do things God's way. I'm going to do things its way. And I'm no different than those people. And, and the Bible says that they beat Jesus up so bad, they literally pulled the hair out of his beard. Ew! You know how painful that is? They put a crown of thorns on his head, and and the thorns beat down, and and they busted blood vessels in his head, and and he began to bleed, and they made fun of him, and they said, Oh, King Jesus, King of the Jews, and and they spit on him, and they beat him with a cat of nine tails, which was a leather ball that had spikes in it, and and it was attached to a whip, and they had him over this post, and they would fling this thing, and the spikes would dig into his flesh and would literally rip the flesh of Jesus off of his back. Jesus, the Son of God, who never did one wrong thing. The Bible says that they beat him up so bad, you couldn't recognize him. He didn't have to do that. He did not have to do that. He was fully God, he was fully human, but he was not a robot or a puppy. He could have walked away at any point, but he didn't. And he did that for me <coughs> and for you. He endured the cross. He endured the shame. The people making fun of him. Damn so. That's nasty. And you know what? That, that's not even what it really looked like. It was far worse. It was far worse. I don't have a picture of this there. But here's the point. Here's the point. This is why worship is a big deal because when you don't worship, you're missing out. You don't understand who Jesus is. Look at those pictures. He carried that cross for you. But you and I, here's what we want to do. Oh, gee. No thanks, God. I'm having a great day without you. Here's what you and I do on Monday nights. Man, it's hot in here. I don't really want to sing. Let's just get out of here. That is pure love. That is the one you were created to worship. And you know what happens when you worship? Things change in the atmosphere. There is always a spiritual battle going on between demons and angels. And guess what? The devil hates your guts and he hates my guts. And sometimes we make it really easy for him to jack with us. He hates us. There is nothing good in him. There is no truth in him. And he will do anything he can to destroy your life, to ruin your life. And it often happens in everyday choices. He hates us of faith. He hates me. He hates you. He hates that we're having this conversation tonight. He hates that we do worship. He hates the word of God. Here's my question. If all of this is fake and not real, then why does the devil try so hard to disrupt it? You know what I'm saying? If, if, if none of this is real and it's all just a fairy tale and we're all just cosmic little cookies that the baker took out of the oven too soon, then why does he try so hard to pump you and me out? There's constantly a battle going on over your life because the devil hates you and I. But when we worship, it shifts something in the atmosphere. When we cry out and we say, God, you are good, and I love you, and you're faithful, it changes us from the inside out. It changes our hearts. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, before they would go out to battle or to war, there were lots of battles and wars, right? You guys know some of them. Jericho, Joshua, the battle of Jericho, uh, Gideon, there's others. Do you know who they would send first? The worshipers. How crazy is that? That's kind of like, uh, hey, marching band, why don't you lead the way into our death? <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be crazy for they send the worshipers. You know why? Because worship is warfare and it changes things. When you say the name of Jesus, the devil runs just like that. He hates it. And I think worship for you guys is such a battle because you don't really know and understand who Jesus is because you can't look into that face. Keep going, Carmela. Go to my favorite one. You can't look into... Listen, don't miss it. Come on. You can't tell me that you can look into that face and say that you're not loved and that He is not worthy. He is the one true God, the Big G, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he reigns forever on his throne and no one will ever dethrone him. No one will ever fire God from being God. Jesus will never stop being king. He will never stop being Lord. He will never stop being Truth. He will never stop loving his people. He will never stop restoring people and helping people who are down and out because they're stuck and they're hopeless. He will never stop saving people. He, he will never stop Trying to get everyone to go to heaven, and it's not for brownie points or for bragging rights. It's because He loves you and He loves me, and when we understand that, then our response is worship. And guess what? He knows the crap that you do, and He knows the crap that I do, and I do a lot of it sometimes. And you know what? He's not shocked by it. He's not freaking out tonight. We do, right? But he loves you. He loves you in spite of your crap. And he says, I have more for you. I have a great plan for your life. I want to use you. I want to bless you, man. I want to save your family. I want you to know me. Because knowing Jesus is everything. And nothing compares to knowing Jesus. Nothing. You can trust me because I've been around the block in every way. And nothing compares to knowing Jesus and being known by him. Everything else is a lie and a scam and fake and crap. And when you understand the ugliness of your own sin and you understand the pure perfection and beauty of who Jesus Christ is, your only response is worship. God, you are everything and I am nothing. And I love you. You cannot worship who you do not know You choose who and what you know. Worshiping Jesus without understanding who he is is as foolish as busting a pinata and expecting vegetables to come out. Worship is not counting the cost of what it will cost you to worship him, but it's measuring the worth of the one you're adoring. Star-breathing God. Has your name written on the palm of his hand. Counts the hairs on your head, sees every day when you wake up and every night when you go to bed. Calls you his own. Calls you his friend. Calls you his favorite one. The Bible says that when he breathes, the stars are put into the night sky he calls each star by name. And he knits babies together in their mother's womb and he creates incredible sunrises, which I never see. And he creates amazing sunsets. And he does it all. There's billions of people on the planet and those same two people have the same set of fingerprints. That's who he is. And and when we think about, when I think about who He is, my only response is, God, you are awesome. You are awesome. I don't care what your past is. You don't know my story. I don't care what you did today or what you're going to do tonight or what you did yesterday. You know what? I don't even care if you give a rip about this thing because I do. And God does, and He loves you. He loves you. Your worship is either worthy or it's whack. And if you are worshiping anyone or anything but Jesus, your worship is wasted. God, thank you for tonight. And God, I am sorry for all of the ways I get it wrong. I get it so wrong all the time. And I forget who you are. I forget how big you are and how good you are, God. You are faithful. You keep your word. You've never told a lie. And, and God, you've never you've never left us. God, forgive us for the times when we worship ourselves rather than worshiping you. God, give us eyes to see our sin for what it really is, ugly and stupid and foolish and deadly. But God, give us eyes to see the beauty of you. Magnificent, incredible, faithful, strong, good. Jesus, you are worthy. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Jesus, thank you for being real. Thank you for being everything that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's how we're gonna close out tonight, no talking. We're just gonna sing a song to Jesus as an act of worship. If you don't want to sing, that's cool. I'm not going to make you. Because if it's not real, there's no point to it. Okay? If I want to invite the rest of you, I'm not having a band come on, We're just going to sing through uh, how he loves together. But those of you that don't want to participate, that's cool. Just sit and be quiet. If you want to kneel as an act of worship before Jesus, I welcome you to do that. If you want to stand, you can do that. If you want to sit. But this is between you and Jesus. No one else. If you need to close your eyes, close your eyes if uh, whatever you need to do.